Welcome to the MS Dev Show, episode number 134. This is our special Christmas episode where Carl and I exchange tech presents. Cortana is getting hardware. And Ubiquity, all the things. This episode of the MS Dev Show is brought to you by Aspose, the market leader of .NET and Java APIs for file business formats. Natively work with DocX, XSLX, PPT, PDF, MSG, MPP, image formats, and many more. Today we have a special Christmas episode. This is not a clip show like some of those other horrible podcasts. I hate when they do that. I can never listen to those clip shows. I think that's such a such a cop out. So what we decided to do, we want to do something different. And I thought it was a great idea. And then when I actually had to do it, it was a horrible idea. So hopefully <laughs> today I think it's a, a great idea again. But I had a we blast. decided to... Yeah, we decided to get uh, uh, basically geeky presents for each other. Um, and I guess the only stipulation, we we were trying to keep it, we were targeting around $100. I went over by $4. I don't know where you ended up landing. It doesn't really matter. Um, but we just thought this would be kind of cool. Normally, I don't get presents for pretty much anybody. Um, so this was, this was new for me. <laughs> so we just figured we'd do that and we'd kind of talk through the whole thing and, uh, and, and see what happens. Um, and, and the other yeah, stipulation, was there could only be one gig gift so yeah 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 yeah, yeah it was it, i found it really really difficult but we'll we'll get to that uh we'll get to that really really soon here so let's uh let's talk about the exposed comment of the week so this week we actually have an itunes listener out of the uk he commented uh okay. the title uh my current favorite developer podcast his name was pice 180 and his comment was, this is a great podcast. They have amazing guests and they ask questions that you want them to. Definitely worth listening and subscribing to. Well, thanks, Pice180. And if you'd like to get mentioned on the show like him, send us an email to feedback at msdevshow.com or comment on Facebook, YouTube, or Stitcher. We really love those five-star iTunes reviews. Yeah, we do have great guests. We have awesome guests. Um, we do. I and, feel and like we're, and we have a yeah. couple of good ones coming up next uh, couple of weeks as well. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm pretty excited about those. Yeah, I just feel really thankful for the people that were able to get on the show. I really appreciate them uh, coming on there. So, so thank you so much. Uh, okay, so let's uh, let's jump into the news. We have a couple news items here. The first one I'm super excited about: Cortana to open up new devices and developers with Cortana Skills Kit and Cortana Devices SDK. Yeah, so I think this is actually a really interesting announcement. So th- they kind of co-released this announcement with Harman Kardon and, and saying that there's going to be kind of like a speaker-like device, kind of like there is the Google Home or the Amazon Echo. But what they also mentioned is with this skills API and SDK that you'll be able to bring all of these features, not only to these devices, but to existing Cortana, as well as uh, car, home, giant screens and no screens. So yeah. there was a lot of ambiguity in that. They left it quite, you know, they didn't fill in the details, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, being able to use um, these kinds of APIs on a wide variety of things really makes it interesting. I mean, I can definitely see Cortana in my, in my vehicle. I don't want to be mm-hmm. interacting with things. I want to just say, Hey, turn the volume off or mm-hmm. call whoever. I mean, you know, somewhat common things now, but yeah. Things that could be done so much better. 
And I haven't used CarPlay, so I don't know if 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 they do that. I do know that like Siri on my iPhone, I, it works really well until I put it in the car and it's over Bluetooth. And for whatever reason, the thing just it just does not work. Um, if I want to use it in the car, I end up turning off Bluetooth, and then it works perfectly. Um, but you know, sort of. So speaking of of hardware, so I I wanted to kind of break this down because there's there's a couple different sections in here. But in regards to hardware, um, you know, I. I knew ahead of time that we were going to be releasing some, we, we were going to be releasing something. I didn't know any of the, the details around it. And what it looks like is it's basically like the OEM model, which I think is the, is really the only way to uh, differentiate here because, you know, Amazon has a good product. Uh, Google home. I haven't really heard much about it, but I assume that their product is good as well. Um, and I really didn't want uh, a me too product. You know, that doesn't really help anybody. So I was wondering how this was going to be differentiated. Um, I am excited about this because uh, my complaint about all the existing devices is that they are not a, they're not great speakers. I know the Echo is, is supposedly pretty good, um, but every time I've talked to people about playing music over it, um, um, some people say you know it's okay. Um, you really got to get the big one to get like decent sound. But to have great sound in this thing is exciting. The combination of uh, something like a, a Sonos and uh, Cortana, you know. It excites me because I can use it for music and it just happens to also have the Cortana stuff in it as well. And, and the thing that's kind of cool along with that is um, it looks like from the beginning, you'll be able to, as a developer, port your existing like Amazon Echo skills over to this. Okay. So I'm not sure exactly what that means, but it definitely, there was definitely a section on there because the SDK isn't open. They were still like taking requests to, you know, see the SDK at this point. Yeah, the Amazon API is like is completely different than how you'd work with Cortana or bots or things like that. So I'm curious what that's going to look like because um, there's there's a lot of limitations in there. I know people love the device, so a lot of developers have flocked over there. But I I've definitely heard a lot of complaints about how you actually develop for that. And uh, I think the other thing that that kind of frustrating to me is it doesn't know who you are. You know, my phone knows who I am. Um, so I, I'm, I, I think this ends up being different, um, in, in that regard as well. I guess I don't, I don't have any details. Our next episode, hopefully we can get some of those answers. Um, cause that's what our next episode is on. But, um, every time I've looked at the Alexa, it just falls short in, in some way. Um, so the, the other piece of this announcement was basically the integration of bots as Cortana skills. So I've pointed this out before. Actually, if you go back, I don't know how long ago this was. It had, I mean, it was at least months ago when we when bots were first announced. Uh, one of the build. things that, yeah, it was, it was back at build. So one of the things that I asked him, and I don't know if you caught on to this, and I, I didn't, I had no future knowledge. I just knew like what I wanted this to look like. I had asked him, you know, hey, there's like Cortana and there's bots. And really at, at, at some point I want to, I, if I create a bot, I just want to use Cortana as kind of the front end for that. And that was the other part of this announcement was, was essentially that skills API that will hook into the, the bot framework because as a developer, you know, I never want to write to all these different code bases. I don't want to have to, uh, I don't want to have to write a Cortana skill and then also write a bot, especially if they're going to be basically the same thing, you know, same, um, question response type of thing. Uh, so that's exciting to me. Anytime I can write less code and get more value out of that and have my code run in more places, that makes me happy. Um, anything else you want to mention on that article? No, but I think the next one kind of flows. It's got a very similar theme. Q and a maker.ai 
from yeah. fact to bot in minutes. So, yeah. you know, you were just talking about how you kind of don't want to do much and you want to just have that Cortana be your front end. <laughs> yep. Well, what this will do is if you have like a question and answer based fact, um, you can actually frequently ask questions, frequently ask questions. You can actually point this service at that and it'll uh, turn that into a bot. So if you have, you know, maybe, you know, a fact like, you know, how do I sign up for this service? And, you know, maybe there's some steps on there and they're already in a fact you could do, you know, do it through a bot and have that bot guide you through that. Yeah. And they had a pretty good example here too. Uh, where was it? It must've been in the documentation whenever I went through. Yeah. I don't, I don't know where it ended they up. They even going. have a quick start video. I didn't notice that the first time I looked through here. Yeah. Where was the, I thought they had one on here. Oh, here we go. So they gave a really good example here where you say, uh, you know, where you're chatting with your knowledge base, uh, you say, hello, or the, sorry, the bot says hello. And then you say, where is my product key? So this is kind of a windows related question. And then the answer is your product key is 25 characters and blah, 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 blah. Um, it's one of those things where, you know, sure you could, you could go to the frequently asked questions and you could look for it. You could potentially search that page. You could potentially search the web. But in this case, I mean, once, once people start to understand that, that bots have the intelligence and they have that database built into them, then you can, uh, you know, have this type of conversation where you can ask a really simple question and it's sort of like a search except, um, you know, just a little bit more targeted. So it gives you the exact result that you're looking for. So I thought that was a, that was a pretty cool example. Um, anything else you wanted to mention on that one? That's just, uh, no. again, saving me time. Uh, and then this next one, uh, ubiquity, all the things, how I finally fixed my dodgy Wi-Fi. So a lot of people that I, I personally follow on Twitter have really in the last two or three months have been talking either quite a bit about either getting ubiquity Wi-Fi routers or, or putting ubiquity products in their house or looking at about to do it. And then uh, Troy Hunt just had this blog, blog post about really, it, it, this is a really thorough breakdown of what he bought, where he bought it from, why he chose the pieces. And I think this is just kind of a, a, a unique take on kind of the whole, all the hardware that we use for our, our networking in our houses. Now, uh, if you look at Ubiquity, they, they traditionally have a little bit more um, of an enterprise focus. They have like the point, point to point microwave dishes. So you could like hit people 30 kilometers away uh, with stuff like that. So they really have a lot of different products made for that. Hey, it just has to work. But if you also look at what's, you know, what's approaching more of their consumer. Cause I, I won't say any of these are directly consumer, but uh, they are really easy to use. They're single purpose. So you don't just get like a router, like it does everything you get a Wi-Fi router or you get a network switch and it just does what it has to do. If you want more things, you have to essentially buy another piece. Mm -hmm. So if you want to see really kind of like what somebody who has a pretty well thought out home network um, with nothing but ubiquity items, I think Troy had a really great um, article right here and he even did things uh, approaching this. Like he put out like a, a GitHub gist saying, this is what I'm thinking. Does anybody have any, any other thoughts on this? Yeah, that was great to get feedback ahead of time. Yeah. And uh, he's got a fairly large house, um, uh, probably two and a half times the size of mine. I think he said it's like over 5,000 square feet, which yeah, is 5,381. That's a pretty big house. So he, over three levels. he ended up getting like five Wi-Fi access points and like a bunch of different switches. I mean, there's like six or seven different products here from Ubiquity and he put down all the prices and everything. And, and this isn't cheap, but from whatever... 
everybody that I've uh, heard from is once you get this in place and set up, it everything just works smooth as butter. Yeah. Until the until the next generation of faster products comes out. So I have a, I have a I oh man I have so many comments on this. So first of all, I really liked your comment. I think it's dead on. The uh, any of these companies that are creating these high end commercial products that also happen to get into consumer space. I love that. I love, I love those products. They were like Garmin was one of them where they did like a lot of aircraft equipment and then they brought that tech, you know, basically shrunk it down and then they started creating GPSs for cars. That's why I always love Garmin. Um, just, they know what they're doing. You're, you're getting all this, uh, R and D, essentially for free. Um, what just super exciting to me. So ubiquity do, kind of doing the same thing being, you know, consumer, uh, commercial. Um, I guess you could sort of say the, the same thing about Cisco. Um, they, they own Linksys. I don't know how much of that actually, how, how much they're actually integrated. It's probably more and more. So you probably get more and more of that, but a, a couple other things. Um, you know, one, one interesting thing about Wi-Fi hardware is that, um, my understanding and, and I could be, I could be wrong, but my understanding is that in general, there's really only like a couple actual different variations of Wi-Fi hardware as far as like the processors and the boards and that type of thing. It's really everybody. It's, it really comes down to software and some of these other things, um, really just packaging it together. I, I bet you the software is like, is like 90% of what you're buying, to be honest. Um, and the reason that I, I think that's the case is if you look at, um, if you look at some of these, uh, um, you know, Wi-Fi for aftermarket firmware packages, they, the reason they can support so many routers is because they end up having the same hardware. You know, a new company will come out with a with a piece of hardware, a new Wi-Fi router, and they're like, "Oh yeah, that's the Broadcom chip on on this board, so we can easily support that. It's not an issue." And they just make some tweaks, and boom, they can now support you know running their firmware on there. I think it's more about the installer than anything else. Um, the other thing is, um, I don't know this. This seems like this seems like overkill to me. Um, I guess, you know, everybody, everybody has a different situation and, you know, he spent a fortune on this. What was the total? Was it? Uh, it was, it was in Australian dollars, uh, which I think is like a, a 25%, you know, more yeah. than, than U S dollars, yeah, the but yeah, rate it was, is not favorable for them. <laughs> yeah. But it, it was something like uh, about 2000 Australian dollars. Okay. In, in that ballpark. Like 1500. Yeah. I guess I, there's probably a lot of us that, that at the end of the day, um, you know, as, as engineers, as working in the software field, like we're, I think we're at least the, the people I've dealt with are, are more likely to spend extra money to solve all their problems. And if this, if this solves all of, all of his problems, like I can, I can, I can understand why he was willing to spend all that money. Like I, I get it. I mean, just looking um, at this one screenshot, he has uh, five access points, uh, yeah. two, uh, POE switches, and then a security yeah. gateway. So I mean, that that's also yeah. a fair amount of hardware. So you know, it's it's yeah. not like he mo- most people who wanted who would want something similar could probably get by with two or three access points and and, and a POE switch. Yeah, he could have saved a lot of money if he didn't go POE or if he just did. Somebody in the comments had actually mentioned this using like POE injectors. Um, the the reason is POE was so expensive. Like I have POE as well. And I want to say my switch was somewhere between 50 and $80. But the difference is that he's using gigabit, the gigabit POE switches, they skyrocket in price for whatever reason. Um, it must have something to do with how they, how they actually have to inject power on the lines because I don't know if there's, you know, less, 
spare wires that they're dealing with or, or what's going on there. Um, but the other thing, you know, I know you and I have had a lot of conversations about Wi-Fi, and I'm kind of curious too. Like, I'd, I'd love to hear feedback from our listeners. But um, my so so my philosophy, first of all, is if it doesn't move, then make then wire it. Like, if you if you have the ability at all, try to wire it. And I've 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 gone pretty to to great lengths to, to make this happen. I was fortunate in the house that we just purchased where that they actually had like coax and ethernet run to basically every room. And I was able to wire it all up in a, in a central location. But um, you know, so that means all my streaming devices, streaming devices are the biggest one ones. I mean, they're going to suck up all your, all your Wi-Fi bandwidth and they're, they're highly susceptible to things like latency and video. You're going to notice if you don't have enough band- bandwidth or if you have some, some latency in there, at least initially, the latency doesn't matter after it gets started. Uh, but wire everything that you can. So in my house, I'm, I'm almost, I almost have everything completely wired. You know, the machine I'm on now, all the computers are wired. Um, the, the things that aren't wired are the phones. I have, you know, a thermostat that's on Wi-Fi. Um, I still have some gaming systems that are on Wi-Fi, but I'm going to wire those because the, the, the biggest thing is that the, the people don't necessarily understand is that there's a noise floor with, with Wi-Fi. Think of them instead of thinking of, as signals that you can't see, imagine people yelling or people talking, you know, if you're in a quiet room, you can talk really quiet and you can actually get, you can convey a lot of information back and forth, right? Uh, because you're in an environment where you're able to talk very quickly and the other person can still understand you. Now think about a party where you have all these people show up, you're all in the same room and everybody keeps talking louder and louder. And maybe you throw some music into it too. And we'll, we'll say the music is like the neighbor's Wi-Fi. <laughs> um, everybody, you know, you start yelling and, and you, 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 your comprehension goes way down. That's exactly what happens with Wi-Fi. So if you have all these different things competing, then that's an issue. And that, I think that's one of the reasons why he has to have so many different, he has to have five different access points. I don't, actually don't think it's a signal issue because I know you, you spent a ton of money. I shouldn't say a ton of money because <laughs> when we're talking two or $3,000 here, you spent what a couple, like two, $300 on your yeah. access point. Yeah, I spent like 280 bucks. Yeah. And and I know like my access point and the house I think makes a difference as well cuz mine does not reach as far as it did in my old house. At my old house, I could actually walk 50 feet away from my house on any side and it would cover it. And I had a big house. Like mine was almost as big as, as Troy's here. Um, and it would actually cover everything perfectly fine. Um, I noticed, so I have a TP link. I think they're the value of those is incredible. Um, cause it's like $130 routers, like the regular price, not, not even on sale. And it's an incredible value. The only thing that I, the, the thing where I've seen the biggest difference between like the, the router that you bought and mine is on the five gigahertz band. Yours seems to have a lot. Yours seems to get more signal and more speed at a, at a, at a greater distance. Cause what ends up happening is a lot of people will go up to five gigahertz. Cause they're like, Oh, well the five gigahertz is better. Cause it's, I don't know. It's cause it's a bigger number. <laughs> the reality is the higher the frequency, like the, the more energy it takes to go a greater distance. So um, you know, just because of physics, if you have the same amount of power pushing out 2.4 and five gigahertz, your five gigahertz will not go as far. Um, so I'm not, I'm not sure what the difference is between yours and mine. Um, I, um, I don't know if it's just more powerful or, or what the deal is, but the point, the point that I'm trying to make there is if you have a, if you are able to get your Wi-Fi uncongested and you have a good uh, wireless access point, you know, in a good location in your house and it's sort of unobstructed. And again, it's going to depend, you know, if you have like metal studs or something like, I don't know what the heck you're going to do, but if you have a normal house, if you're not getting signal, like everywhere, I, 
you know, I would, I would seriously like try to figure out what's going on there. And one of the things that I know is the case is like Wi-Fi doesn't like, I shouldn't say it doesn't like to go vertical because Wi-Fi doesn't care about direction, but your antennas generally the signal, uh, because of the way that they're aligned, they generally don't work well vertically. Um, there's probably ways that you can move your antennas. So if anything, like if you have a three-story house, what I'd probably do is I'd probably put one access point in the center of each floor. And I've considered doing that in my house, but again, now with my Wi-Fi being pretty much completely uncongested, it, it doesn't matter at all. So I probably over talked about all of that stuff. <laughs> so I don't know. He, yeah, he spent a lot of money. I think it's, I think it's really diminishing returns. I think if this guy had your Wi-Fi router, like in the middle of his house, and he wired pretty much everything else. I think he'd actually have a better experience because what does he say here? Um, da, 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 da. Desktop PC. Yeah. See right here. This gave all my study uh, connectivity as well. Desktop PC, NAS printer. Those things should be wired. Um, the fact that he's doing everything wireless and maybe it's because of the house. I, I don't know, but man, I, he would just, I think he, if he had spent a thousand dollars wiring his house and then spent, uh, you know, the $280 on the access point that you bought, I think that he would actually be in a better situation. Well, either way, I, I think one of the things I took out of this is I kind of assumed that some of the ubiquity products was more like a common router that does more. So if yeah. I would have uh, went with this product, um, I probably would have been a little bit disappointed that I would have had to buy uh, more pieces really to, yeah. you know, uh, so that was part of the reason why I really wanted to bring this up. If you are looking at ubiquity, Mm-hmm. I'm not making any judgment call on what it is. I think uh, everybody else has a, a lot of f- great reviews on it, but just make sure that you you buy what you need mm-hmm. since it, they do do things a little bit differently. Yeah. And try to figure out if you can sort of do it additively, you know, put, put something in, add more. One of the biggest, one, one kind of final thought here is one of the biggest issues with Wi-Fi is people actually using, having too much power, um, you you'd think that you think that it would just work better, but think back to my analogy about people talking in a room. It's like saying, Hey, you know, the way that we're going to solve this whole uh, communication issue at this party is um, as you show up, just yell all night. <laughs> and so, so your first guest shows up and he's like, hi, Carl, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be a bad situation. He's going to convey actually less information. So I would actually, having all of these access points, you actually want to dial the power down um, because you only want, um, you want to have overlap in the signal, but you, you want to have, you know, a, a strong um, signal to that, to that local one. But just remember that, that more, more is sometimes less in regards to power and Wi-Fi. Okay. Uh, what do we got next here? Payment request API edge, simpler web payments. What is this? Yeah, so uh, it looks like there's a standard that's coming out for uh, payment requests, and uh, in particular for you to use your your built-in wallet or payment system that's built into your operating system. And uh, if you can develop against that, uh, the OS can take uh, uh, or, or the browser can then um, fulfill that e-commerce request. They say in here right. that 46% of e-commerce shoppers abandon the checkout process during the payment phase. So if they can have that optimized workflow for payments, that can really help, um, you know, get you through to completing the sales. And this isn't something that Microsoft is just doing. Like I said, this is a standard. I think, well, this is coming out in an upcoming version of Edge that will be out with the creators update. I think this is already out for Chrome for Android. So, uh, so this is the W3C Web Payments Working Group designed the API. Very yeah. cool. 
Yeah. So this is something like if you are uh, taking payments for whatever reason on your website, this might be something you want to look to add um, coming soon. Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is pretty cool. I mean, if, if I can avoid having to type in all the information, anytime you make that easier, that's a good thing. Um, and I would generally much rather pay with either my Microsoft wallet, Apple pay. I mean, I have my yeah. information into all of them. It's going to be more secure too, because right. If that thing pops up, like they have to have a certain level of security. There has to be a certain security negotiation that happens there. And I'm sure there's like tokens being passed instead of just yep. blindly giving them my credit card number. So that's pretty, that's pretty exciting to me. Um, and, like and like that. you I, said, I would rather use like windows hello, uh, or my, my thumbprint on my iPhone than having to type in my credit card to some shady spot every time. Well, I hate it when they're like, what type of credit card do you have? What is your credit card number? It's like, you know what type it is. <laughs> like literally, like if you're mm-hmm. a developer, probably mo- probably most of our our listeners are smart enough to know this, but like the first digit tells you like who it is. Like MasterCard it, is five. I, I recently went, came across one where they blocked autofillers. So Ugh. normally I have uh, Chrome remember my what information. What is the point of that? Yeah. yeah, and it blocked it. So I didn't buy from them. Yeah, the the I love the sites. Whenever the, they whenever you whenever you first type the first digit in there, it will pop up and it will tell you what type your card is, and then you know they figure out everything. And then the other thing is that they the the next digits are are basically which bank it is, and then they can use the LUN algorithm to determine whether or not you you know basically there's a check digit in your credit card mm-hmm. number, so they know if it's valid or not right on the client. Like it's so obvious whenever sites do this right. So having the browser do it is even better because I know that it'll get implemented correctly one time and we're done. Aspose offers a powerful set of file management APIs with which developers can create applications, which can create, open, edit, and save the majority of popular business file formats. Their product range supports a multitude of file formats, including Word documents, Excel spreadsheets, PowerPoint presentations, PDF documents, OneNote, Outlook, Project, Visio files, popular image formats, and many others. Aspose produces APIs for .NET, Java, and the cloud, which can be utilized in almost any modern language available today. Visit www.aspose.com for a free 30-day no-limitations trial. And if you get stuck, message the friendly support team for help. All technical support is offered free of charge. Remember, if you're a lucky winner, you will receive a free developer small business license for Aspose.Words for .NET, a powerful toolkit to work with Word documents in your applications. Okay, so how do how do you want to do this? You want to alternate, or you want me to yeah, open my stuff first? Yeah, let, let's alternate. You know, I I had a specific order that I wanted you to pull yours out. So the the okay. first one is your least impressive gift. <laughs> so I, I talk it up. Yeah. So I I had seen other places that have uh, the gift that I had gotten to you, uh, but okay. done way better. The problem is that this is. Uh, an iPhone accessory, and 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 for the iPhone version of this, um, they just didn't do a very good job at all. So, okay, I'm opening it right now. If you're on video, obviously this would be this would be better. But yeah, we're, we'll we'll try to cow. keep the talk as much as possible. So <laughs> I see the, a whole bunch. Of, I see a whole bunch of cables. So these look like lightning cables, and they are. Okay. But if you plug one into a USB port, yeah, they also light up. Oh, really? So and they have a cute little smiley face as well. Yeah. So I, I've seen some of these for USB-C and uh, uh, micro USB where they're really nice cables. The cables themselves are like um, just well done. You could tell that those are a little bit cheaper, uh, but also like when, when they didn't uh, 
start lighting up right away when you plugged it in. Like those will pl- light up right away as soon as you put it into a power outlet. The other one's only charged when it was actually drawing power. And not only that, but they ha- had like a little LED animation. So it looked like the lights were going towards your phone. So yeah, I got you uh, four of those. Um, Let's just do it. I'm going to try it off of a battery here. See, there we go. Yeah. So those are, I got two, I got, my lighting is too good. I'll put it right by the camera. So yeah, the entire cable lights up. That's pretty cool. And yeah. Man, so I got those off of more iPhone chargers. Yeah. So I got those off of, uh, there's an app for iPhone and Android called geek and it's powered by wish.com. It's essentially a place for Chinese sellers of products to sell things really cheap. And sometimes you get some really cool things. Yeah. So, uh, I had been checking that place out for a while. And as soon as you had mentioned uh, wanting to do this holiday uh, gift exchange, I thought I'm definitely getting you something from off of there. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. And I don't know how good those cables are, but I definitely thought it was kind of a fun purchase. Yeah. So just kind of a quick observation, like this end of them looks like way bigger than normal. I don't, I don't see that necessarily as a downside. Um, This side seems normal. Um, I assume that they're like iPhone certified cables. Um, in which case, you know, that's, that's great. Cause they have to meet supposedly certain requirements. I am not but making I think that guarantee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they're, they're pretty cool. I don't know if I'll ever plug one into a PC cause that's always a bad idea to, to like plug something like this into your computer, but I will, I'll definitely use them for charging, which is, I guess I never have to plug my phone, my phone into a computer anyway. So very cool. So I think your gifts are, even though that was the first one, it's already more thoughtful than the stuff I got you. <laughs> well, now you got a whole bunch of stuff that's all in the same box. So you'll, what you'll have to do just kind of blindly reach in and grab something. So, well, <laughs> so actually these are all in three different boxes. So this first item here is uh, audio splitters. These are things that I left at your house and uh, you bought me new ones of. <laughs> yeah. So uh, there you go. Something that I knew you needed. Yes, I definitely need these for the uh, recording because right now I'm you, actually you, recording it, without an extra backup. Oh, geez. Okay, so you can take another one out. That's fine. Go, go take another one out because that was kind of that one doesn't count. All right. So I have another smaller box. So if that okay. gives you a hint, because Jason it probably just, it probably has multiple too. Yeah, Jason just sent all of his straight from Amazon to me, whereas I. Yeah. I'm so lazy. I hand packed mine and shipped (laughs) them to. (laughs) Yes. Carl did a much better job and his were more thoughtful. All right. So there we go. I'm seeing something that says metal earth, the space Seattle space needle. Yep. So this looks like it's a 3d puzzle. Yeah. No. So I've seen those at, uh, at gift shops and I always thought that they were really cool. You can, you'll start seeing them everywhere, but basically it's like a sheet of metal. You pop out the pieces and you can, you can build things or you can build a thing out of it. In this case, it's the space needle. So I just wanted to give you a little taste of uh, Seattle. So So this is really cool because I've done a lot of 3d puzzles, but I've never seen one made out of metal. And that's essentially what this is. Yeah. Yeah, I keep thinking puzzle is the wrong word, but yeah, you're right. I mean, it's something you have to like put together. It's more like a 3D model. It's more of a model, yeah. I would call it. So I just, I saw those in stores. I'm like, okay, I got to get Carl that. So I was hoping that I could. Okay, so I'm not that. looking in too far. It looks like there's something else in this box and then I have a big box. So. Okay, well, I'll, I'll grab one. I'll, I'll get another one of yours here. Which one, which one should I do next? The Walmart? The, yeah, the, there's a, yeah. Use this packing material. Yeah, so th- this is, um something that I, I ordered online kind of blindly and it, it ended up being way cooler than I thought it was. So, I've seen these at shops too recently as well. So that's, pretty funny. that's an Ocarina from the Zelda yeah. series. And not only that, but it's actually playable. Oh, so it, tell, there is it, a chart here. it tells you how to, you know, what note holes make, uh, which notes 
if you're going to read and play from music. Oh, wow. This is pretty cool. So I figured even if you didn't want to play it, it would look really cool on your desk. Yeah, it does look cool. Look at that. So how do you, uh, so you, oh, this is really complicated. (laughs) (laughs) Back. I don't even know which way it goes. What do I blow into? That little piece that sticks out looks like. Okay, here we go. There's some pictures on the front. So it's like, I have no idea what I'm doing. (laughs) I can't even make it make a sound, but there's instructions in here. So I'll have to follow those. I've I've seen somebody who else who had bought one that actually played it and it didn't sound too bad. So I think you just need some practice and maybe cover up more of the holes. I'm thinking, Hey, it made a sound. There you go. You you blew our ears (laughs) out with that one. (laughs) Sorry. That's really cool. That's very thoughtful too. That's pretty cool. Thank you. So the next thing. Mm-hmm. It says six wooden puzzle set. Yep. Yeah, it was. So one of the things that I really, you know, so what I did is I was, I was just paying attention in stores, like different things that you could get. And then, and then I tried to find, uh, you know, equivalent things on, on Amazon just to make my life, life easy. But what I, what I wanted was I wanted, I wanted something, you know, you kind of sit there, there's certain times when you're in a meeting or something and you kind of want to fidget. Um, I'm such a things. fidgeter. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, I want to get them like some puzzles and, and there's, you know, there's like some metal ones. And I think those are all sort of the same theme, but I wanted to get some, uh, some that were, you know, a different material. So these ones I think are the, are actually made out of wood. And I, I think there's what, six different puzzles in there. Oh, These are cool. Yeah. Yeah. So these are the things you got to like figure out how to take them apart and how to put them back together. Yeah. Yep. So even though you know, so if there's one that's not good, I mean, there's six of them in there, so it should keep you, should keep you busy. I just thought that was really cool. And it smells like fresh cut wood. So that's awesome too. Yeah. And there's a wood box for it. Oh, I actually opened it upside down. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. I was just, you know, I, I was looking at stuff. I'm like, what kind of things would I like? And there were, there were a lot of things too, that I, I thought about getting you that, uh, I wasn't sure if you already had them or if you, if you would like them. So I tried to keep everything, uh, you know, semi-generic. And this is something I'm going to definitely keep on my desk. Yeah. Well, and it's something too, like you have people, you know, I know you work at home, but like, um, you know, if you're ever like in an office or something and you have it there, like people come in and they'll kind of hang out and it makes people feel a little bit more at ease. Mm-hmm. So, and so anybody who comes in your office now can, can kind of try to, to solve those things. Okay. So right. what do I, I have one more. So you? you have one more present. Yeah. And then I think you have a couple. All right. So okay. actually the thing with the, the present that you're going to get, I bought one for myself. I liked it so much. <laughs> so, so this is one of those things. So for those of you who don't know and have gotten like anything that's MS dev show branded, that's pretty much all me. So I got something oh. for Jason that's MS dev show branded. And like I said, look at this. Yes, it's, it's an, it's an, an Xbox wireless controller box. Yep. So you need to pop it open. Yep. This will be nice because, you know, anytime I play Xbox, like all the controls are kind of grimy from the kids. Oh, that is so So cool. not only that, but the thing is, this isn't just a game thing. You can, this is a controller that works on a HoloLens, on IoT. You can use it for development. Yeah. You can do it for web development. I was going to say, you use it on your computer too, right? Yeah. See, I could use this as my, whenever, if I, if I do the lie or the streaming from the, from the Xbox. So what's cool about this for the audio listeners, since they can't see this, it's uh it's blue and white, correct? Blue, white, and then, and then oh, and then oh, and then it's red. Like the controls are red here, which is a really cool color scheme. And then it actually says MS Dev Show at the bottom. Yep, I even got it laser engraved. That is so cool! Wow, we'll have to get a you have to get a picture of these on on Twitter. Yeah, we'll definitely yeah, have that's to get awesome. pictures of everything. 
Yeah, thank you for that. That's so cool. Should have bought extras just to put them on display. <laughs> so, so we said one gay gift. So you literally got me a, a rubber chicken with that squeaks. Well, yeah, I figured. I figured your kids would like that too. My dog so is going to go nuts over this. So you can uh, you can let them play with that. It looks like- I was like Carl's Carl's going to kill me. <laughs> so this last thing is looks like another kind of a puzzle. So it looks yep. like you can just kind of like create whatever with this. It's yeah. some, some magnetic pieces. And yeah, my kids have had some 2D things like this. So yeah, this is another thing to just keep on the desk and kind of like play with absentmindedly. Yeah. So it's the, it's the, the big ball of wax is what it's called. Um, six color edition. And you, um, yeah, I don't know. There's like, I guess there's like hundreds of different things you can make out of it. So you have to play around with that. And let me know what you what you think. I I thought those were really cool. I played around with it in the store. Sure. Um, it was just something I thought was was really neat. Um, yeah. There's actually one more thing in your in your box or one of your boxes there, by the way. Oh. Some somehow you missed it. It would have been in the one that had the the space needle and the wood oh, puzzle. It's a envelope. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I see what this is. So it says right on it, tracker. Yep. So uh, in, in addition to all of my other quirks, I am constantly losing both my wallet and my keys. Yep. So this is so this one, this was a bit of a, a selfish gift. I wanted you to let me know how well it works. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, this is a really good opportunity. So if, if you're, if you're not familiar with tracker and how it works, it's a, it's a Bluetooth um, beacon essentially. And, and what you end up doing, I actually have one that's a different brand, but I'll, I'll explain why why the other ones are just terrible. So this thing, it has a little replaceable battery, but what it does, it sends out a Bluetooth beacon every once in a while. And it, it, your phone can basically tell if it's nearby and can also give you a signal strength. Not really great for distance, but it can sort of tell how far away it is. But the idea is, let's say it's on your keys and you left your keys somewhere else. Um, obviously this thing doesn't have GPS built in, so you can't just go on there and say, oh, here, here it is on the map. But whenever your phone, wherever your phone last saw it, you would actually see it on a map. So if you did leave your keys, let's say they were left in a parking lot, um, you left them somewhere, you would actually see the last location on there. Now, if somebody took your keys and and moved them somewhere else, the map location would actually be incorrect. However, if somebody else has this app installed, the tracker app, they will pick up that beacon and it will actually update the location then uh, on that map. So basically it's a big, um, it's a big, uh, what do you call that? Whenever you have a- Kind of like a uh, mesh- yeah, it's like a mass. Uh, well, it's it's like a um, man. I'm totally I'm totally blanking on the word. But you you basically have uh, crowdsourcing. It's like that. It's like crowdsourcing, um, geolocating this stuff. So if anybody has that tracker app and they go near the tracker, then it will it will update the the location, which is which is really cool. So so does this the also reason- beep? Yeah. So you can also like, I think you can press on there. It'll beep your phone. You can go on your phone and have it beep the tracker. Um, I have a different brand uh, that I got for free. That's just terrible. And in every regard, it's just, it's just horrible. It's not, it's not tile or anything like that. It's none of the ones you've heard of. It's just, uh, it's just terrible. Um, the only two, if I was going to buy one of these things, I'd only buy one of two brands, either this or the tile. The tile doesn't have a replaceable battery, which is a huge disappointment. Um, so it really comes on a tracker and tile. I think track, I think tile gets slightly better reviews. Maybe I think they're about equal though. Um, all of these things get slightly bad reviews because they have to be such low power that, you know, they just, they, 
you know, they're, they're hardly ever sending out that beacon signal. So they're just not as reliable as what you want them to be. But the other thing is you have to have that huge network. If you don't have a million people that are using this, it's, it's pretty useless for actually locating a lost item unless you lost it in your house. Um, but for your keys, I mean, where do you lose your keys most of the time in the house, right? Being able to make it beep is a huge deal. Um, I'm interested in using one of these devices, like on my boosted board. Um, I'm interested in using it. Yeah. On my keys. Um, and then like in my bag, um, I actually, the other brand that I was using, I, I would tell you what the brand is, but I can't remember what it is offhand, but I actually had it in my luggage. And I was, I, I was on the plane and it actually did show up that it was picking up the signal on the plane. So I was picking up my bag, which was underneath me. Nice. Um, so you could get some peace of mind, uh, from using one of these devices in your luggage as well. Um, and there's, there's multi-packs you can get. This is, so this is the generation two silver one. Um, you can get a multi-pack that has like five of these in there, but, um, yeah, this was something I wanted you to try out and see if this one actually works any better. I want to get your, your assessment of it. You can let us know on the show and, uh, and then I can figure out if I want to get some of these. <laughs> so sort of to recap, yeah, you got a whole bunch of puzzles, you got a tracker, um, a little model of Seattle. And then, uh, the best gift was the squawking chicken is what it's called. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely squawks. Yeah. And again, you'll have to have your, your kids play with that during the, during the show. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. Okay. Yeah, and you got um, those cables that light up. Yep. Lightning charger cables, and my, you got, my kids are gonna love these too. Yep. That's why I got you a bunch. I got got you four of those, so you can use them around. Uh, you yep. got the Ocarina. You'll have to let me know if anybody can actually play a tune on that. Well, I'm gonna master it, and then I'll play it on the show for you. <laughs> and then, of course, the uh, Xbox One controller. That controller, it looks so sweet. I remember you kind of doing the rendering at one point. You're like, oh, this would, this, this would be cool to have some of these controllers. Yeah, I couldn't um, justify it at the time, cool. but I'm like, Christmas? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good good excuse to, to spend money. Very cool. Well, thank you, Carl. That was that was awesome stuff. So we'll have a link in the show notes to all the all the stuff. Hopefully we described everything well enough over the over the audio feed. Otherwise, go check out the the video feed. We'll have a, a link to that as well. And you can you can see all the stuff in person. Well, not in person, but um, you know, digitally. Okay, so moving on, we uh so I actually picked something for the Azure Pick of the Week. I have done a bad job at the Azure Pick of the Week for the past Nine 40 months. episodes or so. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I haven't been doing my job. Um, so this was actually something that I wrote. I put it out on GitHub. Um, this was something I wanted to try and I had a, a partner I'm working with gave me an excuse to, to prototype some of this stuff and I'm going to be expanding the functionality. So since it is a GitHub repo, it's going to, um, you know, if you keep looking at it, you'll keep seeing more and more code. But what this is, is basically, um, it really doesn't matter like what it does. It's more the technologies that I use that I thought were more interesting, but it's really just a, it's an endpoint for checking to see if, uh, nodes deployed out in the field or systems deployed out in the field, if they have an update so they can kind of phone home and say, Hey, here's my, here's my, my current identifier. Um, do I have an update available? And, um, so again, I think the technology is more interesting than the scenario. So what this is using is it's using Azure functions with, um, you know, you can use that with a dynamic host plan so you can essentially run this for free in Azure or for pennies. I, you know, it would be, you'd have to have a, a ton of systems calling these APIs to ever have to actually pay anything substantial. Um, but what, what's different about just using pure, uh, than using just pure Azure functions is that I'm actually using document DB on the back end for my persistence store. Cause I'm using Node.js. 
And DocumentDB pairs really well with Node.js because DocumentDB is a document store. It obviously saves JSON files very nicely. Um, so that's something that I've been wanting to try. Basically, a, a stateless Azure function that's you know essentially like a, a, a micro microservice that's hitting against a DocDB uh, persistent backend. And the other thing that I wanted to try here that that is is sort of a recent thing is the Azure Functions team actually released uh, some some command line tooling for for creating a functions solution and then also for creating functions and to run functions locally. So I actually developed this 100% local on my local machine. And it's using essentially the same execution environment that you'd have in Azure. And then what I actually did, it was literally this morning and took me about 60 seconds was I deployed it to Azure and it would, like I said, it was 60 seconds. There was, it ran exactly the same in the, in the Azure environment. Cause I was already hitting against document DB on the, on the backend, but the, you know, it was using the same execution environment that I was able to run locally. So I was, I was pretty excited about this. I'm going to add in some other things. I think it's probably going to end up talking to blob storage potentially to download some files and, and do some other things. But um, I just think it's amazing being able to use something like Azure Functions along with DocumentDB, um, along with some of these other things, and not have to manage a server. Literally, I'm just saying, telling Azure to execute my code whenever somebody makes it, makes an HTTP call, and it just handles everything for me. Uh, the only other thing I wanted to mention on that was DocumentDB. Um, one thing that they added, and I don't know if we had mentioned on the show is they actually have an option to expose document DB with a Mongo DB interface. Did you know that Carl? I knew about it, but I've never checked it out. Yeah. So I finally, it gave me an excuse to try that as well. First, I tried to use the regular document DB client and it's, it's very verbose. Like you need a lot of code to do it. Um, and honestly, like a lot of that code you should be using in production because it's, you know, they, they have error handling in there and they're just handling the whole flow very well, but it was just a lot of code. It was more than what I wanted in a sample. So I actually used the MongoDB interface and I literally just used the regular MongoDB client. And for the URL, I just put in the URL that Azure gives me for, for document DB. It gives you a special MongoDB compatible interface. I plug that in and boom, I just use the MongoDB documentation and it was super easy. I mean, it's just a couple lines of code for interacting with, uh, with document DB then in Azure too. I want to mention that there's a hosted version of MongoDB as well. I did not use that. I wanted to use document DB because doc document DB, you know, was born in the cloud. It was designed for cloud right from the start. Um, so that's really what I, the route that I wanted to go. And I think it's fine putting a MongoDB front end on that just to, just to make the interface a little bit more mature and, um, easier to work with. So what is, uh, what is your dev tip of the week, Carl? So I have two, uh, the first okay. is just a piece of uh, suggestion. Um, you know, a, a lot of the times, uh, uh, once again, I think this is the third episode in a row I mentioned that I'm a Microsoft MVP. But <laughs> and the reason why I say that is, you know, we have access to people at Microsoft that normal people don't have access to. And what's kind of interesting is if you have a problem with with the the store or the developer portal for uh, submitting your Windows applications to the the Windows Store, we are actually given the same email address that everybody else has access to. So if you have a problem with the, the either having a problem with an app in the store, getting an app in the store or the developer portal as a whole, send an email to report app at Microsoft.com. That email address is in there. And sometimes it's a little bit hard to find. And it's sometimes it's hard to remember like, Hey, you know, if I'm having any problem whatsoever in any of that process, that's a pretty big process. 
um, email that. They'll give you actually really good support. I've had to use it a few times, and I've always gotten really good support out of it. There are real people monitoring that. Awesome. Uh, the other one is we've had a bunch of VS Code uh, keyboard shortcuts recently, and uh, the actual at code uh, uh, Twitter account actually just put out a cheat sheet for the Windows, the Mac, and the Linux versions. So we'll have a, a link to that in our show notes. So if you are using any one of those or all of them, you can download those uh, uh, these shortcut cheat sheets and uh, check them out. Did you did you look at the 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 replies to this tweet? I <laughs> uh, no, I didn't really. <laughs> so I love this. The first one, help! How do I close it? I typed colon Q exclamation and nothing happened, which is a Vim joke. And then Visual Studio Code like didn't realize they didn't at code didn't realize it was a joke. So they said, sorry, how do you close what exactly? <laughs> and they said, I'm joking around, guys. Cheers for the good editor. <laughs> I just got a kick out of that. They they were trolling the uh the at code uh, account. But yeah, these cheat sheets are are awesome. I don't I, I'm going to print it out. I have, I have to figure out where I want to hang the thing, but um, you know, that's, that's the issue here. I can put it at work. I have a white or I have a, uh, a cork board, but uh, yeah, it's got all the shortcuts. So it's, it's great. Uh, Carl, pick a number between one and four. I'll pick two. Two. <laughs> oh, geez. Okay. On a dare. Cause apparently you have to do it then. Would you rather have to dig a booger out of a stranger's nose or allow a stranger to dig a booger out of your nose? So I'm, I'm assuming it's not just like, you know, because it's a dare, you have to go up and say, hey, want to pick a booger out of my nose? <laughs> uh, that's a good point. Yeah. Well, yeah. the other one, I don't know, because it says allow a stranger. Yeah. Which, so it doesn't say like, you know, ask a stranger. So I, I, uh, this is a little bit of a tangent, but have you ever seen the show Impractical Jokers? Uh, I think I have seen. Yeah. Some so, things, so, yeah. yeah. So what that show is, it's four guys who have known each other since they were little kids. Um, they try to force them into these kinds of situations where they have to do that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. so I, um, I would do either <laughs> stalling. really, no, I would do either really. I mean, I mean, both of them are, are about equal. They're sort of equal, mind. right? Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. I mean, it's only your finger in somebody's nose. You can wipe it off and use sanitizer afterwards. Yeah. Okay. So here's mine for a million dollar price. I like how yours is just on a dare and mine's I, I get a million dollars because I, <laughs> I picked one because I can see the card. You know, I get to cheat for a million dollar prize. Would you rather have to keep a hula hoop going for five minutes without stopping? I'm incapable of doing that. So that's that's a no or have to pogo stick across a football field without stopping or falling. I'm I you know, I have I don't know if you know this about me, Carl, but I have really good balance. Um, well, you have been working I, on your balance with the, your boosted board, too. That's true. That's true. But like, I picked that up pretty quick. Um, that was, I'd almost consider that a side effect. I don't think that was the the cause of it. I have, I'm really difficult to knock over. Let's put it that way. So, uh, the pogo stick, I, I've only been on a pogo, pogo stick for like 30 seconds, but I'm pretty sure that in pretty short order, I could, I could get to a point where I could go across a football field. Um, um, so last year for Christmas, we got, uh, two of our kids pogo sticks and Peyton, yeah. uh, this summer when he was actually really trying in the course of an afternoon, he got to where he could do it like four or 500 jumps in a row. Yeah, exactly. So I, I would do that. So let me know when you can send me a million dollars. Um, yeah, my, my middle son, he was, he's very determined whenever he wants to, to, to do something. So he, he was determined to master that pogo stick. And then he, um, I don't know what happened, but he started to fall over and these things are on a spring and it basically sprung and like smacked him in the face. 
uh, pretty good. <laughs> so just, you know, beware those pogo sticks can be pretty dangerous. So, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Carl. So speaking of this, um, this game that we play, um, it was my birthday recently and, uh, Joost von Schaik had, uh, he was a guest on the show a while back. Uh, mm-hmm. he said, happy birthday and pick a number between one and four inclusive <laughs> on my Facebook page. So I replied, I pick one and wish for Jason to be much less pedantic next year. <laughs> not going to happen. Nope. <laughs> so what did, did, did he have a response then for, for one or uh, he just, he just liked it. Oh, liked it back. <laughs> yeah. That would have been funny if he had questions lined up for you. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, so where can people find you, Carl? You can find me on Twitter at Carl Schweitzer. You can find me at ytechie.com or on Twitter at twitter.com slash ytechie. So Carl, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, Happy Holidays. And um, and whatever else that we may have missed, happy whatever to yeah. all of our guests as well. Yep. Whatever, whatever you celebrate, um, have fun with that. <laughs> and I hope you get, I hope whatever it is that there's presence involved, cause that's a shame if there isn't. Uh, but anyway, uh, you know, I just wanted to say thank you to all of our listeners. Um, we've had, it's just been crazy. You know, we, we look at the, the numbers, the, the growth, it's just, we look at that curve. It's just amazing. We love having all these new listeners come on. Uh, we're really thankful to all of you. Um, you know, it's, it's funny cause you'll hear, I I've, I've heard, um, I'm not going to call it names, but there's another podcast where they say like, you know, um, we, we this show wouldn't be possible without our sponsors. You know, our, our show totally is possible without our sponsors, but they, they really make it so that we can do cool stuff. So, uh, you know, I want to, I want to give a special, special thank you to expose, um, you know, and then previously we had Infragistics as a sponsor for most of the year. So I want to say thank you to them as well. Um, but they, they, they make it so that we can do things like these, uh, these Christmas gifts and we can show up at different places and, and hand out swag and all those kinds of things. So we're just, we're really thankful for, you know, to everybody for, uh, for making it so that we can do really cool stuff on the show. 